Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. This is episode number 13 with our guest, Ross Wainer. On today's episode... If you are listening to what your feelings are telling you in other situations, it could be holding you back from great experiences or from growth or from productivity or from just self-improvement. And there's so many different things that you can do to, to help yourself get closer to your goals and the life that you want to live. If you take time to count down in your head and, and consciously think about, is, is this decision going to be helping me reach uh, and accomplish what I'm trying to do? Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. If you had a very secure and cushiony job, would a change in company values be enough to get you to leave that behind and look elsewhere? That's the question our guest had to ask of himself when he was in his early 20s. Now, he's only 27 years old today, but do not let his age fool you. You'll quickly see why I call him the smartest guy in the room. Yes, he's got the credentials to back that up, but even more so, he's smart because he knows who he is, where he's heading, and what drives him. He's got so much figured out that clients twice his age work with him to help them redirect their goals and determine what's important to them. I could listen to our guest all day. Enjoy my dialogue with Ross Wainer. Here we go. And hello to you. Thank you for joining us and tuning in. Welcome into the studio. Look at that on-air button doing its thing. I'm about to now do my thing. You are tuned into the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. My guest today is the founder of Wayner Ed, whose mission is to enable you to unlock your greatest value, discover your true purpose, and to live a life that fulfills your deepest passions through the work that you love. Who doesn't want all that? I certainly do. Well, help me welcome, it's my guest today, right there, it's Ross Wainer. How are you, Ross? Doing wonderful, how are you today, Josh? I am all too well. So I'm very intrigued by your story because it seems like even before you launched Wayner Ed, it seems like you came from what seemed to be a very 
cushiony, secure career and job. Was that not the case? That's absolutely the case. And I think part of the, the, the benefits in, in, that I enjoyed throughout my career, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll back up a little bit. So I, while I was in school at Purdue, I joined a work-study program. So I was alternating semesters between school and work and ended up doing uh, five internships with, uh, with GE, General Electric, before even graduating. So I already was graduating with more experience than, than anyone else I was competing against, went into their leadership program, did a few more positions in there, and kind of came out of that program on the fast track to, to, to rising the chain within their organization. And from there, it was, uh, it, I was uh, rubbing shoulders with individuals at the highest levels, learning from the folks that were already executives and who were already achieving in the company. And so I was able to even further accelerate my own growth by, by interacting with those that were already several layers above me in the organization. What was um, your position? So I have an engineering background, and so the re leadership program I went through was uh, it's the Edison program. It's engineering-based, and so there's a curriculum that goes with it. There's several different types of roles that try to, uh, to put you through. I'm sorry, they, they want to grow you through. And ultimately, I came out of it as a project manager. So I was leading the development of new healthcare equipment, MRI scanners, CT scanners, PET scanners, those sorts of things. And um, so I was interacting with the individuals and coordinating projects for uh, service and quality and engineering and software and all the different pieces that need to come together to support the equipment like that. And I was blessed to get in that position and it ultimately came about because I asked for it. Um, I talked with managers and influencers and gatekeepers in the organization and said, this is really what I'd like to get to uh, later in my career when I'm more prepared for it and uh, qualified for it. And what are the sorts of things that I should be doing to help prepare me for that opportunity so that when that time comes, when the, the a job opens up that I could be qualified for, I can be ready and be someone that's considered for it. And ultimately, they said, why don't we just kind of get you into a role and you can shadow some of those folks for now and, and see how you do. And I thrived right away and was able to get in that position um, out of the program. 10 years sooner than I would have anyway. So I was already in, in that management um, part of the organization, even as a 24 year old. And it was, it was fraught with many interesting challenges because many of the folks that I was working with and telling them how to live their lives and guiding their priorities and those sorts of things had been working for the company or working professionally longer than I'd been alive. So like, how do you tell somebody that's like your parents age, what, what work they're going to be doing, even if it's going to be like crappy work, like paperwork and stuff that nobody wants to do. I'm like, listen, Jerry, I know this, I know this isn't what you want to do, but let's talk through why it needs to get done and we'll I'll help you out later down the line, those sorts of things, which are funny conversations to have, like looking back on it. Um, but it, really it's like, if I'm brand new to the organization and I'm the age of their children, how is it that I can, be on their level professionally, earn their respect, and really be able to um, to be successful together. Because if I wasn't able to do any of those things, I wasn't able to give them confidence that I knew what I was doing and we were on the right path, then it, it could have ended up much differently than it did. Um, well, I guess what I was alluding to earlier is because I was in that position so early, because I was um, in conversations with folks very advanced in the organization, I was able to see how their lifestyles ended up that part of their career. So even though I was still in my 20s, I was working with folks in their 40s and 50s who had been growing through the organization, taking the traditional career paths, climbing the ladder, that kind of stuff. But they were spending their mornings on the phone with India. They were spending their evenings on the phone with China and Japan. And all, the, all during the day, they were scrambling to answer emails while they were in an, a calendar full of uh, booked meetings. So it's like everything that they did from when, from dawn till dusk was for the company. They always had 
bags under their eyes. They were <laughs> drinking coffee by the gallon. They were, uh, weren't going to the, 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 the track meets for their kids. They weren't going on vacations and taking, even if they worked up to five weeks of vacation, they weren't taking it because their expectations were so high in the organization. And I looked at it and said, that's not the lifestyle that I want. I'm happy to contribute at a high level. I'm happy to, to do these, these, these outcomes. Like I, I, I love the outcomes that we drove in healthcare, making uh, individuals lives better so they could live longer, better quality of care, those sorts of things. So the outcomes were fantastic and I love that aspect of it, but I didn't like the lifestyle and the sacrifices that I have to make in order to make that happen. So you saw the writing on the wall from your peers and that was going to be the direction you were heading. What do you think it was specifically about you that you said allowed you as you know, they're, they're junior by 20 or 30 years. What, what about you allowed, allowed that connection, that respect? I think part of it is that I've always held myself to high, higher standards than, than I, maybe I should, but certainly higher than everybody else. Because I feel like that even if I don't meet that standard, I'm still um, achieving at a high level. Um, folks have told me throughout my life, and I've, been, I've lived a very blessed and, and, and um, solid life and people have always complimented throughout, but I've never really taken it to heart. I've never really given myself much appreciation or satisfaction um, in what I've accomplished. And for me, there's always something more that I'm chasing and it's because I really want to be the best version of myself and always keep improving. Um, but part of also earning the respect of individuals. So, so I say that is that because I was already playing the game at a high level or a higher level than the other folks that just come out of, out of college, I think that helped certainly. Um, it was an ability to communicate effectively. And there's an emotional intelligence part of, that goes into that and being able to read people, understand what they value, and to communicate to where they're at. Um, but part of it's also just building relationships. Um, there's an example of uh, one of the guys I worked with who is in the service part of the organization and a couple of the members on his on his team had left all of a sudden and so they had multiple people's worth of work for just this one individual to handle and so immediately for me as a project manager I realized that there was going to be a bottleneck there and the whole the whole operation couldn't go through until everything went through and if service was the last one then we're only as fast as as this person and so what i what i did is i made it uh, a pet project of mine to to be his to be his best friends and and to do all that i could to support him um when i went over to his desk i'd see that he had a little uh model motorcycles from one of the world wars and he had pictures of his kids and um, various things that reflected who he is as a person and so I asked him questions about that and dug into who he was as a person, who he is as a person. Um, and he told me about his models and, and the, the uh, motorcycles he's restoring in his garage, the band concerts he's going to for his kids, the colleges that they're applying to, the vacations they're taking. And so when I went over to his desk, even though I had an agenda for priorities and business things that we needed to discuss, I'd go over and first talk to him about his wife and call his kids by name and follow up on the conversations and things we had the last time I was over there. So it's Ross, the, the friend who's coming over, not Ross, the manager who I hate to talk with, who always gives me new crap to do, all that kind of stuff. And so by changing your approach and, and being more personable and being somebody that, that brings energy to the organization, that has empathy for the folks that they're leading, those are the sorts of things that enabled me to, to really resonate with these individuals more than just somebody who's telling them what to do. I imagine that by the time you left, you were making, let's say, it's safe to say, a comfortable salary? 
Yes, especially considering Milwaukee has a, a low cost of living. Absolutely. Okay, so you were making a comfortable salary, but then you saw the writing on the wall and you said, oh my goodness, Ross, that is not what I want for my future. Was this a relatively quick and easy and painless rip the Band-Aid off, I'm out of here? Or was there a lot of internal decision making? A lot of internal decision making, which I, which I guess is probably safer because if I had just made, I guess, what decision, it could have uh, ended up in a more risky, risky direction or something. But um, it happened gradually. So I mean, first I was talking. I mentioned earlier how I realized that the GE wasn't the right fit with my purpose and my values um, in terms. Oh, I guess we haven't gotten into that yet. Yeah, go for it. So, so yeah. So part of that that journey was figuring out what it is that I wanted my career to amount to. And what it, what it was that I was working so hard for, working the long hours, um, enduring the stress, the, the mountains of emails, all those sorts of things that were really over time wearing me down. Um, and what was that going to contribute to? And ultimately, it was making great uh, outcomes in healthcare. I was working at GE's appliance division before I moved to healthcare and really didn't feel fulfilled by creating refrigerators and washing machines and dryers and that sort of thing. Uh, so I switched over to healthcare and there was a lot more meaningful impact that came out of it. But I sat in one too many design meetings where we chose marginal uh, revenue or, or profit points versus low-hanging fruit for innovations that would improve outcomes for hospitals and for patients and those sorts of things. And, and really came to realize that the business is a business and they're making decisions for their well-being, for shareholders, for quarterly reports, and all sorts of things. I certainly can't blame GE for that. But it really didn't align with who I am. And, and I believe that my purpose is to, to leave the world better than it was given to me. And uh, if my existence is going to have um, I'm, I'm using electricity to keep this room cool and to, to record this podcast from food and resources, whatever it is that my existence needs to have a positive net positive impact for all that it takes to keep me alive. Otherwise, what's the purpose for me being alive? Um, and for me, I measure what it is that I accomplish in the lives that I touch and the outcomes that I make more than the money I make or, or those sorts of things, or especially the money I make for, for shareholders. And so it came to me as a, as a, over time that GE wasn't the right fit for me and who I am and, and how I measured myself and what I wanted to accomplish. So that was step one in, in this journey was realizing, okay, this isn't the right fit for me, but where do I go next? And then it was, probably at least six or more months that I spent time meditating and journaling and just kind of taking time to think through what is it, what are the outcomes I really want to drive? What are the, what's the balance of, of the lifestyle that I'm looking for? Um, in terms of, of stress levels, because at that point I was sacrificing time with friends. I wasn't exercising as much. I wasn't eating as well. I wasn't sleeping as well, or I'd be dreaming about work because I just spent the last 18 hours thinking about work. Um, and that's not really how I wanted to, how my, how I wanted my life to be. So, as I kind of drew that out and kind of the impacts I wanted to make, healthcare was absolutely one of the things that resonates with me and, and a great way to influence others uh, and to Im impact others. And the other uh, aspect is education. And I look at education as a solver of many problems because it can be the way that we approach life, it can be um, empowering other people, it can be equipping uh, individuals. And I believe that a more educated society can better 
attack the challenges that, that face our planet today um, that can better um, help us come together as, as people when we take the time to understand one another and develop those emotional connections. I think there's, there's an educational piece of that. And so when I look at my, my, my business, which some call career coaching ho-hum, I could go to my, my counselor's office at, at the university or my alumni center and get the same sort of things. That's completely different from what Wainwright does. I mean, I, I consider it more adult education because after we graduate, there's so little support for, for individuals to grow in their career. Um, I, I constantly work with folks who have had their head down in their career for 20 years and they finally pop their heads up and, and look around and say, well, how the heck did I get here? Why am I here? What, what, is, what am I doing? Um, or even millennials who are coming out of school now and just saying, okay, I, I went to school because I was told to. I went to college because I was told to. I got a degree because I had to choose something in order to graduate. And then I ended up a place that either couldn't pay the bills to, to uh, pay back my tuition or it's something that I'm really not fulfilled with and really don't enjoy and <laughs> would, would be happy if I never did it another day. Um, and, and regardless of where you are at either end of the, the spectrum there or somewhere in the middle, there isn't a lot of support or knowledge around how to find roles that really resonate with you, that give you the tools and equip you to make the most of those opportunities to really think about what the legacy is that you want to build. It's, it's go into a job and make a living and, and hopefully have enough excess um, over the top so you can save for retirement and accumulate a whole bunch of material possessions. And that's not something that's, that's been part of our, our, our species for eternity and it's just a recent phenomenon of this american dream and and it's now catching on around the world and it's not what fulfills us it's not why why uh, it doesn't get us out of bed and we regret monday or um, uh, really don't look forward to mondays and all of these things make sense because this new phenomena that we're working toward it's the expectations of others in society to make a lot of money to accumulate brands on your clothes and your cars and whatever else and that's not really what what motivates me and i want to educate individuals that motivate them so sorry i'll get back to answering your question and, and ultimately healthcare and education are the two big pieces that motivate me and inspire me the most so if i'm going to work in something right now those are the the spots that i believe the best spot for me to, to work in and I look at what I do as adult education to equip others to, to do more with their lives, to, to think more about what it is that they want to contribute, what's a life that they can look back on and be proud of, and to, to help them really achieve that, that fulfillment and a happier and healthier lifestyle so that they can bring more energy into the world and then we can be better equipped um, as a society. How amazing to hear. I want to go back and connect the dots to see if I can understand how all of this actually came about. Take us back, if you will, to the Ross Wainer as a very young child. Paint that picture for us, please. What was home life like? I've certainly lived a very privileged lifestyle. I grew up in Austin, Texas. My folks still live there. And we went to a wonderful high school, had a close group of friends, and I was involved with sports early on. I played baseball and basketball. I was on the swim team. I was on the track team and cross country, all that kind of stuff. And was very active. I was very studious. I had high expectations to my folks on my, uh, on my education. And I was, I, re I realized over time that sports weren't the calling for me, that uh, my, my gifts are more in my head and less in my, uh, my strength or my speed. And so I, I, I doubled down into academics and I was in the, the band for middle school and high school. Uh, I became a leader in that organization. I then determined that band really wasn't the right long-term fit for me. 
and I saw this, this growth in tech and there's a big importance of developing those technical skills and joined the robotics team and was the leader of that organization in high school as well and took those into Purdue to get an engineering degree, was leader in, of several organizations throughout my tenure at Purdue. And so it's, it's always been a, a mixture of technical experience and growth uh, along with the leadership and, and the people experience as well. What are some of your then, some of your, your hobbies and, and pastimes to sort of balance this academic? I found as I've gotten out of school and, and uh, or at least out of high school where you had all the required reading assignments, I really enjoyed reading because it didn't really uh, resonate with me when I was reading Shakespeare or Dickens or whatever else. But when I get to start, when I start to read books that I wanted to read, whether it was um, self-help books or even just adventure novels where, where you get to kind of remove yourself from, from society or just like from the buzz of everyday life and put yourself in the shoes of a different character or to read books that, about Warren Buffett's mentality, about, about what the most successful people have done and, and kind of how you can, I don't say hack your life, but be the best person that you can be. Um, and one of, the, one of my favorite books is actually written by Bill Gates Sr., uh, the father of um, Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft. And it's not a book about how I raised this wonderful son that's not like the second richest man in the world. It's about family. It's about relationships. It's about taking time to look at what's important. And that's, that for me has always been a balance because I'm, I'm just hardwired to be so go-getter and put everything I can into, into what I'm doing. And, and it's been kind of a growth and a journey for me to kind of figure, okay, well, relationships matter and taking time to, to rest and recharge and those sorts of things um, are important as well. And so I, reading really helps me balance what it is that I, that I, um, how I live and what I do. And exercise is another big part of that too. Um, I live in Boulder, uh, in Denver, Colorado, um, spend a lot of time up in Boulder, running, biking, hiking, uh, those sorts of things, anything to get outside, get the blood flowing and that sort of stuff because it helps clear your head as well. The more time you spend in nature really helps to uh, take you out of your phone and the, and the daily uh, grind of everything that's going on. Because if you allow your, your phone to buzz every time you get an email, every time someone texts you, then you're, you're constantly being disrupted. You're, you get out of your flow, whether that's um, work or whether that's your real relaxing time. Uh, so my girlfriend's a little frustrated by it because I always have my, my phone and computer on do not disturb mode because I'll check those things every couple hours or whenever it is. But I mean, ultimately, I've, I've never been burned by having like an emergency that had to be handled in the next two minutes or, or else the, the city is going to fall or something, right? Um, um, maybe I hope that I, that never happens so I don't have to turn off my, <laughs> turn my phone back on. Um, but, but I mean, being able to appreciate what you have, put yourself in the moment. Um, and those are things that I've come across that help me better uh, balance my life in addition to the exercise and the meditation, that sort of stuff. Absolutely amazing. And going back to what you said about the, the um, social media notifications and whatnot, isn't it true where it's been revealed that Facebook in particular, they say, is and was created to be addictive? Oh, absolutely. 
And I've actually, it's interesting because now you start to notice that same sort of technology in other apps um, or other services. So if you look at even like Netflix, the time between episodes on Netflix used to be 15, 20 seconds. Now it's like three or five. Like as soon as one episode's over, then they show you credits or whatever else, bam, there's the next episode before you have a time to, or the self-control to say, oh, I shouldn't, I should be doing something else. The next one already starts and the intro grips you in and then you your that loop continues. I mean, if you go on Instagram or you go on um, other apps, it's just a continuous scroll of content and it's just always feeding new information. Um, and they've gotten, the, the algorithms have gotten good at understanding what it is that you click on, what it is that you're interested in. So it continues feeding that interest. And you're right, it's, it's tough to escape. And for me, I kind of bounce back and forth between <laughs> fighting that addiction. Be, um, in any given week, Instagram may or may not be on my phone. The Reddit app may or may not be on my phone because those are ones that are easy for me to get sucked into. It's, they have, they're stunning pictures on Instagram. I follow a lot of um, outdoors and travel and, and lifestyle kind of um, kind of folks in addition to my, my, my peers and network. And just the pictures are just oversaturated. The dynamics are great. The contrast is great. And it's just like, why am I not there right now? Right. What am I doing with my life if I'm not on this beach in Bali or these mountains in Vienna or whatever it is. And it's easy to get caught up in it. And for me, I just have to say, okay, I just need to get rid of this app, get rid of the temptation and I'll get, I'll get on and I'll want to post uh, pictures of my brunch or whatever millennials do and, and reinstall the app so I can do that thing. And maybe the cycle will restart again, but, but it is, it's a constant battle to fight those things. And in this day and age, uh, successful folks are the ones that are able to put away those distractions. When I was working professionally and was in, again leading an organization, I saw many people on social media and stuff at the workplace, um, and or always responding to texts right away and, and handling their personal life as a very intricate, as a very ingrained part of their professional world. And although we have all these tools of technology to help us. Uh, work more efficiently. The productivity goes up when you're actually working, but there are always these distractions that are pulling on us, that are pulling us out of that focus, and and it's tough to to get ahead if you're enabling if you're enabling those to to take over your focus. Yeah, and to piggyback on what you said of some of the qualities and traits of the successful what you're saying and that I've noticed over and over again is simply self-discipline. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a show on YouTube that I think it's also a podcast called Impact Theory. It's by Tom Billy. Tom Billy. Uh, yeah, love him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. what, I mean, that, finding that channel has like upgraded my life and the, and the insights that I've gotten from individuals. There's so many nuggets of, of empowering wisdom that come out of those. There was one where he in, um, interviewed Jay Shetty, who I think is a former monk and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But one of the things Jay says in the episode is that like the, the folks the, who achieve at the highest levels who are healthy, wealthy, and wise prioritize or, or value education over entertainment. That's exactly what we're talking about here. It's just that can you put away um, the Netflix? Can you put away the apps? Can you um, take time to, to spend time with loved ones and um, do things for productivity, driving the goals that you want to achieve and those sorts of things? And there's a lot of value there. And really, it all comes down to choice. What we're talking about is, hey, everything here is your buffet. It's your choice. What are you going to choose, as you put it, the entertainment or the education? You can literally choose either. Here are your choices. What says you? Absolutely. And there's, um, there's a, another influencer named Mel Robbins who's influenced me quite a bit. And Mel is big into 
communicating that your life is all about the decisions you make. You're either choosing to do things that are moving you forwards, or by not choosing those, you are moving yourself backwards. And that is something that's so empowering. I mean, it could be in relationships. It could be whether or not you went to bed at a reasonable time to equip you for tomorrow, whether or not you're choosing to exercise, you come home and say, I'm choosing, to, I, don't, I don't feel like it. I'm choosing to listen to my emotions and I'm not doing it as a result. Um, I'm choosing not to go out on Friday night and hang out with my friends and, and be social because, because of other things that are going on. And, and there, there is a balance there and you find out what the priorities are and what matters to you and what it is that you're building toward. Um, but one of the, the, the tricks that, that Mel teaches I think she calls it the five second rule and just you have five seconds to either take action or not. And if you don't subconsciously, you're going to, I mean, it's easy to, to spend 30 minutes or an hour or two hours on YouTube or Netflix or whatever, just from that initial one second decision to, to, to go to that site instead of standing up, getting a drink of water, clearing your head for a second and diving back into productivity, diving into being present with your family or whatever it is that you need to be focusing on. Um, and that's an important thing for me. I'm actually, I'm writing an online course right now. And one of the things I talk about is a story when I was, uh, I went bungee jumping in New Zealand. Uh, I guess it was last year. And when you're standing up on the platform and you're strapped in and it's just, your heart is, everything inside your body is telling you, don't do it. <laughs> I know you've seen the two dozen people jump off and they were fine. And it's probably safe. You're going to be okay. Don't do it. And, and subconsciously in the back of my mind was Mel Robbins there counting down like five, four, and like, are you going to make this decision? And I finally just said, three, two, one, go, and just push myself off of this ledge. And it was a thrill and it was wonderful and it was awesome. But the same sort of thing is like if you are listening to what your feelings are telling you in other situations, it could be holding you back from great experiences or from growth or from productivity or from just self-improvement. And there's so many different things that you can do to, to help yourself get closer to your goals and the life that you want to live. If you take time to count down <laughs> in your head and, and consciously think about is, is this decision going to be helping me reach uh, and accomplish what I'm trying to do? Yeah, uh, so, so uh, wonderful and completely agree. And what is that phrase where they say that success lies right beyond the fear? It's always about just moving right through that fear. It's never about eradicating the fear from your life, right? Fear holds a very significant place in our experience, but you should consciously and almost deliberately seek out these moments to push through the fear. Absolutely. If you let your life be controlled by fear or discomfort or not doing things that are difficult and hard, uh, you'll live a life that's maybe a little bit easier and, and whatever else, but it won't, you won't be growing. You won't be moving toward what it is that you're, that you're living for. And personally, I lived decades hiding behind fear. And what you do in those moments is you start telling yourself all the reasons you shouldn't and all the things that are going to happen if you did and all the things people are going to say if you dare do the thing. And 99.9% .9 of the time, none of that even comes true. It's, it's incredible. 
And it's absolutely true. And I think that it's easier for us to stand here and talk about it. But I think that what makes it easier for everyone else that's out there is having more clarity on what it is that you want to accomplish. What is it that you want your life to amount to in some regard? What is it that you want your career to amount to? And when you have more clarity on what it is that, that you are working toward, why you do what you do, why you go to the office every day, why you're in the relationships that you're in, um, why you're choosing to be responsible and, and do and go to bed at a reasonable time if you have other things ahead of you um, that, are, that are more important. Decisions become much more clear when you have that clarity. And some of the, some of the uh, things that I work on with my clients is to help develop that clarity. It's not uncommon for folks to say, um, I ended up in this career, but I want to go somewhere else, but I don't know where that is. Or I feel stuck and burned out and trapped in a corner from, uh, because I've been working in this job for 20 years and I want to go somewhere different, but who would hire me if I <laughs> don't have 20 years of experience in a different realm? And it's, and the first place to start in any of those situations is to really dig into what is the impact that you want to make and what is, what is it that you feel fulfilled by because you could be in a job where you really don't like the day to day, but it's tolerable and enjoyable enough because you're building towards something that you want to accomplish. Um, I remember seeing, actually I think it was in, in Goodwill hunting, how he was a janitor at the school and he had some, uh, some friends or relatives that were in construction and they were getting flack and they're at the bottom of the food chain and it's a, a, a thankless job and, and people look down on those folks. I was like, no, but they're, they're doing legitimate things. Like if, they're, if you're making a school cleaner, you are making big impacts for the folks that weren't there. If you're building a subway or you're building buildings, that is infrastructure that helps the world go around and impacts a lot of lives. It helps maybe a pregnant way to get to the hospital. It maybe helps a business person to get to a bank where they can give loans to, to entrepreneurs that are making the world, that are doing positive things for society. And if you can look with a lens of what you're contributing with your life and how it's, it's making um, the world a better place or enabling others or is driving positive progress, there is so much more fulfillment once you take that perspective and it makes the decisions to be even better at what you do much easier. What I love about your business today and one of the things that I know you focus on often with your clients is the idea of negotiating, how to negotiate properly and successfully. I want to hear some of your insight on that, but isn't isn't there a bigger picture here? Because when we instinctively in this regard here, negotiation, of course, we're talking about um, increasing your salary, getting a raise. Uh, but let's, let's, let's also take it out of that context. Don't we all negotiate in many moments throughout our daily existence? Oh, absolutely. And, and the, the communication aspect of negotiation or any kind of conversation generally has a, an objective. Either you want to improve a relationship with an individual, you want to make them laugh, you want to make them trust you. Even if you're not consciously like <laughs> trying to get those, those outcomes, ultimately we all want to be liked and we all want to, to, to be successful and, and to be happy and those sorts of things. And so you can kind of consider those a negotiation as well. And that, that alone can help you if you can learn to effectively build relationships and communicate your opinions while still uh, learning and accounting for the opinions of others. That's, that's an effective way to, to meet with others. How do we negotiate successfully? It really stems from understanding who your audience is. 
because everyone has an agenda, whether they know it or not. So if, if we can start with an example of, of being in business, if you want a higher salary, or you want different work, or you want to um, change in a different part of an organization, or you want to work fewer hours, whatever it is that you're trying to negotiate for, you're going to initiate that conversation with somebody on the other side of the table. And understanding what it is that motivates them, what it is that, um, where they're coming from, and how you can appeal to their interests is how you effectively negotiate. Because, for example, if I'm talking to my, my manager and saying I want more money, sure, we'll use that as an example, the manager's being measured by his manager or his or her manager by the outcomes that the team is achieving, by how much the, the individuals are contributing for the business, maybe that's revenue, maybe that's customer satisfaction, whatever it is, they're being measured in some regard. And so if you can paint what you're looking for in a light of you will have improved outcomes or you are achieving the outcomes that you're achieving based on what I'm bringing to the table, then that gives you more, more power in that conversation. Because if you aren't someone that's contributing at a high level for them, you're not going to be someone that kind of has that leverage. And so that's, I guess, step one before you have the conversation is even <laughs> being that individual that's, that, they, that they value. And I've worked with a client who was on a, in a sales organization, and she had some of the top numbers year over year over year, and yet she kept seeing people get promoted to higher positions instead of her. She said, Ross, why is it that I'm getting passed up for these opportunities, even if I've proven that I'm the best at sales? I was like, well, what are the responsibilities of the role that you're looking to go into to be promoted into? I'm like, oh, they're, they're managing people and they're working with different types of customers and different things that she hadn't built experience with, things that she hadn't prepared herself to go into. And she was focusing on the wrong aspects because the folks that are, that are promoting, the folks that she would need to negotiate with for new opportunities we're seeing the bigger picture of all the different characteristics that those the individuals were seeking for the candidates. And while she excelled in one of them, the sales aspect of it, she really hadn't taken any time to develop herself or take initiative or ask for opportunities to grow in other directions. And so she was great at one piece of the pie, but was missing out on others. And so we've started to um, attack that aspect of it. What are the other skills they're looking for and what can we do to, to kind of fast track your success and growth? It's so true that in negotiations, in, in any regard, even with my five-year-old daughter, if I want her to sit and eat her broccoli, I can't just say, hey, Danica, eat your broccoli. Why? Oh, it's, it's, it's healthy. It's good for you. She doesn't care about that. And that's exactly <laughs> what you're saying. You have to go into the negotiation knowing what is important to the other person. Do you think Danica at five years old cares about what healthy is or she's going to grow up to be big and strong? No. Right. Man. So I have to figure out what is important to her in that regard. Mm -hmm. Same thing, right? Absolutely. Um, and another example, if you're in an interview, I, I see interviews as negotiations as well. And if you think about what is it that this hiring manager or this recruiter values for an organization, the skills are part of it. The credentials that you have in your resume is absolutely part of it. But they're also looking for an individual that they want to they see day to day, they don't, they, that they want to interact with, that's a good fit for the team that's there, and that they want to have some confidence that you can come into the organization and be successful. So you could have all the credentials, you could have the, the, the diplomas from fancy institutions and those sorts of things. But if you don't have a proven track record of, of success, either on your own or in an organization, 
then it's going to be hard to compel others to say that, take a chance on me and I promise, I think you promise I'm going to be successful there. You need to have some meat there. And that, that's where they're coming from for their perspective. And it's your ability to communicate effectively. It's your ability to interact with others and do more than just the, the bullet points on your resume. Something you do in your current business with your clients, and this is something that you, you mentioned earlier, when I was transitioning careers, there was a, a moment in time, more like moments in time, where I was, WTF, what am I going to do right now? What am I doing next? Where am I going here? And I, I guess you just have to trust and allow and tap into. But part of your mission with Wayner Ed is to help your, your, your clients discover their true purpose. Where, where do you begin with that? It, becomes, it starts by asking yourself some of the questions of, of where it is you kind of see yourself ending up. And it's not like the typical career coach where you see yourself in five years. What is it that motivates you? Why is it that you why is it that you work as hard or invest as much time as you do? Is it to provide for your family? Is it, is it basic needs to make an income to have food and shelter? Does it come from prestige and, and the social value and and kind of how you're seen by others, the fancy cars you have, the big house you have? For some folks, that's what it is that motivates them. Um, society tells us to follow your passions or um, do a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And for some people, that's absolutely true. For others, they're motivated by money. They're motivated by power. They're motivated by um, social, uh, social uh, motivations. And some folks are just motivated by the impacts they have on others, um, like I am, which isn't right or wrong. But I think it, the, it's, the first step is discovering what it is that really makes you tick. And so there's a, a tool that I use. There's actually a great article we can put in the show notes if you'd like, um, written by a guy named Tim Urban, who runs a, a website called Wait But Why, which is fantastic. Like impact theory has been hugely impactful on my life. Um, but he actually just posted maybe a month or two ago an article about finding a career that's right for you. And he has a, a great tool that overlaps with what I go through with my, my coaching clients that, that kind of go through this list of different types of motivations that, that really resonate with individuals. Are you motivated by passion or emotion or greed or, or what is it? And of course, there's positive and negative stigmas. One of my clients was like, Ross, is it bad that I don't want to like go work for nonprofits and make the world a better place somewhere else? I was like, no, I mean, that's, there's a stigma there, but ultimately you need to do what makes you happy and, and find ways to, to, to justify it, that it's the right fit for you. Um, and, and he does volunteering and other things in his free time, he just doesn't want to do it professionally. And to find what it is that really empowers you can is take some time to soul search, um, putting away the, the social media and distractions and whatever else journal, meditate. Um, there's, there's many different ways that you can kind of go through that thought process to get the gears turning to, to find that self-discovery. And from there, it's, it's pairing up both what you're motivated by with real world needs. Do you make, need to make a certain income? Do you need to be in a certain location? Do you need to be working certain hours because of raising kids or other obligations? So pair the real world needs with what your internal core needs are. And at the intersection of those is, is a reality. There's a job, many jobs to choose from there. And it just takes some time to, to discover yourself and, and pair that with reality. Are you familiar with Simon Sinek and his TED Talk? Uh, I am. I've, I actually just sent one of, the, one of his talks yesterday to a potential client that might be signing on with me. There's one where he talks about uh, discovering your why. Yes, discovering exactly. Why. Exactly yeah. why. Yes. Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. It's about a 15-minute TED Talk. We'll, we'll link to that. I've watched that dozens of times. Thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. 
tell us oh, about it. Yeah, part of it's like he he uses the story of of Apple Computing Company just because it's relatable for a lot of individuals. And Apple could tell their story as we make computers, they're the best computers, they're so much higher quality, and because we do hardware and software together, they perform better. And people aren't going to buy that. They don't care that you make computers. They could get their computer from anywhere. But they, people buy Apple computers because Apple says, we care about the design, we care about the emotion. We, we are, we're artists that also make these wonderful computers. And we do, we do what we do because we care about um, making high quality products that, that make the user feel, feel um, strongly emotive and whatever else. And we just happen to make great computers at the same time. So you should come pay a premium to buy our devices over the, the cheap plastic things you could get at, at uh, a box store. And so people buy Apple products because of that, that feeling because of Apple's why, why they do what they do, not because they need a computer and they go to Apple and they pay more. They pay more because of the story behind it, why they do what they do. Exactly. As, as, as we've said, he says, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So, so valuable. And that takes time. It's not like, oh, well, I, why do you do that? Well, I, I do it because I need to make money. You got to drill that down threefold at least to really get down to the why. But it's, uh, it's profound and uh, impactful once you do. What it's do you- Go ahead. So that's one thing I've been working on Wayne Red is communicating more why I do what I do. I mean, I, I, like you mentioned earlier, I had a wonderful, promising career at GE and ultimately didn't align with my why. And now that I have a, a career in a business and a, that align with what it is that truly motivates me, inspires me, I believe it. If I play up that story, it'll inspire more people to work with me because I'm not just a career coach who's wanting to get clients, get a revenue, push them back out the door and send them back out in the real world. I'm here for their success, their growth, their changed mindset because my why is making the world better by equipping an army of, of individuals, not just by, I'm not just making a profit machine to churn people through. And if I can communicate that effectively, it's more than just I'm, I'm, a, I'm a career coaching business. I'm a performance coaching. I'm a personal trainer for the workplace because I believe that individuals that, that believe in what they do, they're inspired by what they do, will take time to learn and contribute to, to um, causes that matter and those sorts of things. And for me, that makes my, my efforts in, in existence more worthwhile. What mantra do you live by today? I was actually thinking about this. I was listening to a couple of your podcasts and I was thinking there are several that come to mind. Um, but one of which is from a, a mentor that named Ray Van Ash, who I worked with at GE many years ago. And he said that you can't disprove with words what you've already proven with actions. And there are many individuals that say certain things and say certain things and act in different ways. And especially in our day and age where people measure their lives in their number of followers they have, number of possessions they have, that to me is an action that says something completely different about who they are. And when, and you can't just say, Oh, I like to give back and I like to do these different things. If you're really living a lifestyle where you're being selfless for others, that makes a big difference. And I believe that not, I mean, I'm not saying that to accuse or to be, to be rude or anything like that. But I mean, for me, it's a, it's a guiding compass for the decisions that I make is now that I know who I am at my core. And of course that grows and change over time, but for who I am today at my core, are the decisions I'm making, is the lifestyle that I'm living, are the people that I'm influencing, is all of that a reflection? Are those actions a reflection of who I am, who I want to be, and how I want to be seen? 
uh, and the contributions I want to make. Hmm. And, and that that simple thing that I'm sure that um, if I were to reach out to Ray and 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 let him know that it was been so impactful on me, uh, he would just oh I said that <laughs> like what? But because for him it's just like a, a part of how he lives, and it's just like a probably an offhand comment for me. It was just like wow, I it, that's so true because we all have this impression of our own minds of who we are and and how the world sees us, but it's it's generally not congruent with how the world actually does see you. Something so powerful, I want to point out that you just mentioned that something that stuck with you was a significant answer to that question here that is a governing thought of your life today. The person who said this to you may not even remember or realize that they said it. I mean, how, how, how amazing is that, that so much of what we say I, I, I don't know. What, what about that? I think it's a reflection of, of him as an individual, but uh, of, of, of the standards he sets for himself. I mean, because he's, he's one that really taught me the importance of, of work-life balance. Um, he's like, I don't, I don't care about what level you get burned out at because it happens for different individuals. The reason you're, you're working harder than most and maybe that's what you need to do. But we, he had a conversation with me about the decisions that he's made. He was actually, uh, so he's an engineering manager that I worked for, but he was one of the first engineering managers at Tesla and worked for, for Elon Musk, who's somebody who, who I certainly admire for a number of reasons. But he just says working for the guy is just completely different from what he's been, <laughs> the, the glory that he's achieved and what people, how people see him he is a visionary stuff but he, he'll just he'll work you <laughs> he'll really uh, grind your gears and he believes in what he believes in, and you better believe what he what he's saying and for that reason he left but i say this to say that there are people that make decisions that are very difficult in that time i mean mine was probably small by comparison to leave my my corporate career to do something much more risky that better aligned with who i am but even like an individual like seth godin um who's uh, a great in, uh, influencer that individuals should probably reach out to so much great mentality and mindset but he had an opportunity for a billion dollar investment somebody called him on the phone and said hey we're starting this business we're going to take it public and it's going to be worth billions or whatever else and he seth thought to himself and said you know what that really doesn't align with who i am and how i want to spend my time and what i'm doing my mission so he, he turned down a billion dollar opportunity because it was, wasn't in alignment with who he is. And I'm sure that Seth says plenty of things as well that are super impactful for individuals, even though for him, it's just another day at the office. And I think that it's important to seek out those individuals who uh, exhibit those sorts of, of traits, who, who aren't going out of their way or, or flaunting what they, what they are, what they have, who really just believe what it is that they are preaching and they, li they live that way because you'll pick up nuggets of wisdom from them just in a normal conversation talking about the weather because that's just who they are at the core. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways today? Uh, the answer is that I, I was raised in the church, but it's really not something that I, I resonate with today. And part of that is... I'm an engineer, I'm a scientist, I, I like to dive into the, the, what makes sense to me and what makes sense to me is the, the, our understanding of gravity and physics that keeps all of our buildings and bridges uh, standing. Um, when we are aging rocks and can say that certain aspects of, of any, anyway, I want to go into all that stuff. To me as a scientist, I look at the world and I say it makes sense to me that that we have evolved over time. When you look at the, the, the evidence and things, I, I believe that, that that's less of a 
what the Bible entails. But what I will say is that there's an important aspect of, of being human and that's spirituality because I do consider myself spiritual. I do meditate, um, almost daily. Um, my girlfriend, girlfriend's getting me into yoga and there's certainly some, some spiritual aspects of that because I think it's important to take time to reflect, listen to your brain, listen to your body, understand the, the flow with the universe and those sorts of things because so much of our, our mental picture of how the world works and what it is around us was all created by humans. And unless you are taking time to remove yourself from that space, then you're always going to be trapped in that mindset. And it's not it's a bad thing. There aren't like negative side effects, but it is a limiting worldview to say that, oh, well, well businesses exist and that's always the way it's been. No, there were, there were, for the vast majority of time, we didn't have all these luxuries of computers and cell phones and cars and telephone lines and whatever else, um, being able to, to fly around the world whenever, that really take time to appreciate where the circle it is that you live. Go, go walk around the neighborhood and go see things you've never seen before. Um, I mean, even like when I would carpool with friends uh, to, to GE and they were driving, I'd take time to look out the window. I mean, that drive thousands of times, right? And I, by seeing there's a passenger, I saw all, kinds, saw all kinds of new things that I'd never seen before um, because I, I put myself in a different frame of mind, a different mindset. The same thing is true if you, if you say, well, what would it be like if we had a different education system? Because for me, I want to improve education, right? If we don't just assume all of the, the norms and the things that the society says, this is what education is, there's so much opportunity for how we can improve what we teach and how we teach it. If we look at what we do and you don't just have to go into the corporate world to stay a stable job and that's what you've been told to do and that's what your parents did and whoever else, you look at, okay, well, what are different ways that I can earn money and how could that better uh, align with who I am? Or how could I be more energetic other than being who I think I am and what is it that I want to change so that I can make other people's um, experiences on earth better. So the spirituality of it for me is to remove myself from what we call everyday life and to question the assumptions that are out there. And for me, that often happens when I take time to slow down, when I'm meditating and I'm not, not um, on my phone or, or journaling or anything else, but I'm taking time to actually listen to the natural, natural rhythms and thoughts in my head and not just the, the ads that are pushed on me and, and everything else. What do you believe happens when it's all over? when our time here on earth ends? I believe that we are chemical beings and that when, when our bodies die, we die with them. I don't believe the soul goes, goes with them or is preserved or anything that is preserved. We, from earth to earth. Um, but I do believe, and what highly motivates me is that we have a legacy that we leave behind and an impact that lives on in others. Uh, so like I was talking about the, the, the folks who are building bridges and, and subways and stuff earlier, and those folks have a very tangible legacy. Everyone that commutes in New York City gets to enjoy the spoils of uh, the, the life's work of individuals that dug all those tunnels and built all the infrastructure. Um, the, the, the contributions that I make as a career coach and the lives that I impact and, and the, the, the changes, positive and negative, are all legacies of, of my life, even if my, my body isn't here. You are how old today? 27. You're 27. Certainly, you have a long way to go. You've already accomplished a, a long list of things, I'm sure, that make you feel good. Where do you go from here? Where do you go in 10, 20, 50 years? What's happening? Uh, I, I highly admire Bill Gates because Bill Gates had 
at his at 27, he was in a very different place from where he was at 47 and where he is today. And he spent the first half of his life building products that have positively driven change in the world. I mean, ultimately, ultimately computers are a net positive for a number of reasons um, where you and I are very different parts of the world right now. And we're able to have this conversation, for example. But anyway, so he he left that organization, all the challenges of, of the corporate wife and, and shareholders and all that kind of stuff so that he could spend the the wealth that he's accumulating for the benefit of others. And so for me, I'm not looking to become Bill Gates uh, wealthy or successful, those sorts of things. But when he speaks, people listen. And he is focusing on issues on malaria, on education, on access to healthcare uh, for individuals. He's providing for those that can't provide for themselves. And he's, he's taking the, the benefits that he has accumulated and using that for the, expense of, for, for the benefit of others. And so for me, I want to continue to increase the platform that I have to become more podcasts. I recently did a speaking engagement here in the Denver area, being able to reach more individuals to inspire, empower, and equip more individuals to, to uh, make positive impacts for the world. Because I think that the more that I can magnify that, the more folks that I can impact, that'll have a much bigger outcome than what I could uh, accomplish as an individual because I'm in, equipping many more people in, in addition to myself. I will leave you with this final question. Ross Wayner. how would you like to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered, remembered as somebody who positively impacted education because I believe that we, there's a lot of opportunity for what we teach and how we teach it. Um, we are not teaching folks much about communication, about teamwork, about creativity, because we're teaching folks the, the basic math and science and, and English skills that are less appropriate than the, the, the balance that we're teaching them for the world today. I mean, really part of being literate and learning, learning your, your basic language or another language is learning technology. Can you communicate with a computer effectively? or with others through the computer effectively is a very important skill that isn't being taught. We're just kind of letting folks pick up devices and figure it out for themselves. And there are some negative consequences. Like you were, we were talking about earlier with addiction and these apps and stuff. It's like people don't realize how much of their life is, is going into these, these distractions because ultimately when you're lying on your deathbed and you're looking back on your life, are you going to be thankful for all of the amount of time that you spent scrolling through whatever app it was absorbing all this content? Or are you going to be uh, looking back at the relationships and the accomplishments and the impacts that you've made? And that I just want to encourage more folks to see the world that way through education, through my own, um, my own soapbox, I suppose. But, but ultimately I want to be remembered as somebody who, who did something other than what, society told him what's the right way to do. He, he, uh, he pursued his own path. He did it for the benefit of others and he made the most of his time on earth. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the smartest man in the room. I literally feel smarter for spending this time with you. Thank you for sprinkling all of these amazing nuggets our way. If anybody wants to keep the conversation going with you and follow up and dig deeper into your life, Ross, how should they do that? Well, the, so you can find, follow me on Instagram. It's a good mixture of my, my, of course, I've, I've bashed social media, but, but I do have a, uh, an Instagram that has some empowering quotes on it, does have some, some lifestyle things of what I'm doing personally. I'll put little teasers on there about uh, new things I'm working on for Wayne Red, uh, new office space we just moved into, those sorts of things. Um, otherwise, if you're interested in the business and what I'm doing professionally strictly, uh, WayneRed.com is a great place to, to go as well. Um, it has some, some coaching, uh, it has some, some PDFs and things that 
that you can download to, to work with me directly or on your own time. I'm also building online courses. They'll be up there in, in the coming months that can help me share more information with more individuals to help me achieve that mission of, of expanding the influence that I have because I believe that I have a, a, a story that can, be, that can be shared and inspire individuals, but also tools and mindsets to help equip us all uh, make the most of the time we have here on earth. Ross, my man, thank you. This has been such an incredibly inspiring conversation. Thank you for spending your time with us. Thank you so much, Josh. It's been a pleasure. Everybody listening, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I hope it's been inspiring for you as well. You know we'll do it again. Until we do, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.